Amen. Thank you, George and Grace. Our God is an awesome God. Um, April 3rd through 6th will be here before we know it. We have a sign-up sheet out there along with several others, different things God's doing among us. One of those things we want to encourage is a opportunity to sign up and have a prayer partner as we prepare for revival because revival doesn't just happen. God shows up um, and we can't make God show up, but what we can do is prepare our own hearts. And um, I've actually got uh, a sheet that we'd had in the bulletin, Prayer Partners Dream and Pray. And, and just three things as we pray with the partners, we'll work up for revival to ask, what do you want God to do in you? I mean, to pray and to ask the question, God, I want to see you do this in my life. And then in the life of our church, God, I want to see you do this in my church family, among my people. And then thirdly, what do we want to see God do in the community? You see, we need to have a sense of expectation that God wants to bless and He wants to work and He wants to exalt His name and do a great work. And guys, we need to pray toward that end. We need to be excited because there's a lot to be excited about with our God. He's awesome God. So anyway, I encourage you, uh, be a part of that. Uh, in February, that first week in February, I'm going to list who prayer partners are and, and, and be asking those questions. God, we want you to show up. We want you to work in, in us individually and in us as a group, in our community. We just want to see you work, God. And I pray that's what's going to, what God will intend to do among us. But, uh, our scripture today, uh, we're in Ephesians as we go through the book of Ephesians. We're going to look in detail at verses 3 through 14 this morning as we look at the blessings of our God. Uh, it's interesting as you look in the scripture um, in verse verses 3 through 6, we read about our Heavenly Father as He is at work within us, guys, and He, he is the one who initiated the blessings. It was His idea to give the blessings. And then in verses 7 through 12, we see that the blessings were implemented by Jesus Christ. It was His work at the cross, demonstration of God's love and grace fully poured out to us. He implemented that work. And then in verses 13 through 14, we see that the work is empowered by the Holy Spirit. It is the Holy Spirit that enables us to live in the power and grace, love, mercy of God. And so we're going to look at that this morning. Uh, in verse 3, it says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. It is interesting, guys, that uh, we see a couple of times here the word blessing is used and praise. And it is the word that we take our word eulogize from we think of a eulogy, it is a good word spoken about a person whose life we are honoring or remembering. We have these what we call a funeral. Here, God is giving a good word, but it is not to those who were once alive and now who are dead and we're remembering. But it's to us who were once dead, but who are now alive in Jesus Christ. And He wants to share this good word to us. 
a good word of the blessing that he has for his people, his family. And we're going to look at that this morning in verses 3 through 14. As I thought of a funeral, I'd, uh, you know, last week on Monday, is Martin Luther King Jr. Day, but also um, in the Richmond area where we had lived at one time, they celebrate uh, Lee Jackson Day. And it was interesting, uh, as I was reading about Robert E. Lee and his life, he was, a, he was a man that the soldiers not only respected, but he was a man who was changed by God later in his life. And it was said that as they would march into battle, that he would often lead them in his favorite hymn before that time, How Firm a Foundation. And they respected him because he had a genuine love for God. Can you imagine today our government leaders, our military leaders, that would have an open, unashamed love for Jesus and make that known in a day where that is so unpopular, it seems. But that was, uh, that was, that was generally. But uh, turn with me, Ephesians 1, and stand in God's honor, please. And I want to read verses 3 through 14, our text Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For He chose us in Him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in His sight. In love He predestined us to be adopted as His sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with His pleasure and will, to the praise of His glorious grace, which He has freely given us and the one He loves. In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that He lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. And He made known to us the mystery of His will according to His good pleasure, which He purposed in Christ." be put into effect when the times will have reached their fulfillment to bring all things in heaven and on earth together under one head, even Christ. In Him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of Him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of His will, in order that we, who were the first to hope in Christ, might be for the praise of His glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Having believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this treasure chest being opened before us that we're able to see the vast treasure that belonged to those who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, may we not leave the treasure chest shut and locked, but Father, may we open it by faith and receive what is ours, that at the moment we bowed our lives and hearts to Jesus Christ and trusted Him, a vast inheritance became ours. And as we look at that this morning, speak to our hearts, God. Uh, excite us, ignite us, inspire us, Lord, to awaken and to live for you 
and and maybe to live for the first time if we've never received the life that you provide. Your word says that before a life in Jesus Christ, uh, we were dead in our sins and the walking dead, zombies, uh, Father. But you breathe life in when Jesus Christ is trusted. And, and it may, may that happen today, Lord. If once here and never understood by faith in Jesus Christ, life is given. May life be received this morning. We trust you to do a work, Father. We need you, Lord. Um, Father, I'm not much, but I'm yours. And so I pray that you might speak through me, Lord, for your purpose, for your glory. And help me, Father, not to ramble, and um, Father, but to be clear. And may your Spirit speak above anything I want to say that you may be heard. For it's in your name we pray. Amen. All right, guys, let me jump into these because we have ten, and obviously in a half an hour that'd be three per blessing, so that doesn't give a preacher a lot of time. So uh, starting here at verse three, as a matter of fact, we could say with this eulogize, uh, eulogy be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has eulogized us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual eulogy. In Christ, He has given us that good word that comes from the Father. And it's in Christ. What a thought that before the world was formed, before the world was made, God set out in love for us and He met our need. That's, that's the hope, that's the good news of Jesus Christ how He works in Christ to provide the spiritual blessings. And they're in the heavenly realm, so they're not all just blessings that we see and that we touch in this realm, but they're blessings that are ours and that await us when we are finally made fully alive at the time we transition from life as we know it to really living to be with Him for glory. But for now, we receive a taste of that, and it's ours. And and I'll read this quote to you from Warren Wiersbe. Wiersbe writes, The Christian really operates in two spheres, the human and the divine, the visible and the invisible. Physically, he is on the earth in a human body, but spiritually, he is seated with Christ in the heavenly places. It is this heavenly sphere that provides the power and direction for the earthly walk. The President of the United States is not always seated at his desk at the White House But that executive chair represents the sphere of his life and power. No matter where he is, the president uh, is the president because only he has the privilege of sitting at that desk. Likewise, with a Christian, no matter where he may be on this earth, he is seated in the heavenlies with Jesus Christ. And this is the basis of his life and his power. We're seated in Jesus Christ, in the heavenlies. Although we're in this place, we're secure in Him. The blessings are ours, guys. So that's the first one. Second, He has chosen us. Uh, Next we read, For He chose us in Him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless. God chose you. Now, isn't it great to be chosen? To be handpicked, to know that the God, the Creator of all, saw you as being so special that He personally handpicked you. He chose you. That's the message for God's kids. God loves you so much, He picked you. 
He cho- Have you ever stopped and just thank God? Thank you, God, for choosing me. Thank you, God, for picking me out. For loving me with that kind of a love, God. Thank you for that. Uh, listen, this is Deuteronomy 32, verses 9 and 10. For the Lord's portion is His people, Jacob, his allotted inheritance. In a desert land he found him, in a barren and howling waste. He shielded him and cared for him. He guarded him as the apple of his eye. He found us in, in that wasteland we call sin, and he, he saved us, he brought us out. That is our hope, and we are his, the apple of his eye, precious to him. Charles Spurgeon talked about the fact that life may not be easy, but our God has a plan and that He loves us and He's chosen us. And He, On His bedroom wall, He had Isaiah 48.10. He had that verse written that said, I have chosen thee in the furnace of affliction. And under that also He wrote these words He had up on the wall. It's no mean thing to be chosen of God. God's choice makes chosen men choice men. We are chosen not in the palace, but in the furnace. In the furnace, beauty is marred, fashion is destroyed, strength is melted, glory is consumed, yet here eternal love reveals its secrets and declares its choice. No matter what you're going through, God is there. He has a plan. Third, He adopted us. Look at the end of verse 4 and verse 5. It says, In love He predestined us to be adopted as His sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with with His pleasure and will. Notice the motivation. It was His love. He brought us into His family. He adopted us into His family through Jesus Christ. Jesus, God's Son by nature. You and me, God's kids, through adoption. Now, adoption is not what what initially saves us, we have to be born again. We have to be, there's to be regeneration. The Bible says, unless a man's born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. There has to be that time where God does this miracle where he, he takes you and he breathes life into you spiritually. We call that being born from above, being born again. But, but that's not adoption because at that moment we come into his kingdom, it, it, we're like spiritual babies. But what happens with adoption is that although we're newborns, He gives us adult standing into His blessings. Now, you know, think about it. You have a little baby, you know. I mean, what can they really do, right? I mean, at first... I thought about this one day, guys, and I figured, really, at first, all a baby can do is three things. They can weep, they can sleep, and they can excrete. And that's about it. When they're first born, they're little, and you love them, But oh, how you love them. We're born into that kingdom and it's not what we give to God, but what He gives to us. But we come not just as an infant that can do nothing, but we come enabled to receive His blessings and live in His blessings. He gives us adult standing and that's what the adoption is about. That He enables us to take what He's given us and to live it. And and there's a second component to that as well. It's a future component. Uh, Romans 8, 22 and, and 23 describes that component. It says, 
we know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan eagerly, inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. And so what the promise there, guys, is that in the future, what is private now, we know we're His kids. We know we're His family. But there will be a day where all of creation and publicly all will know that we belong to Jesus, that we belong to the Heavenly Father, that we are His, that He bought us, that He adopted us, that He brought us in to His family. Uh, Okay, let's look at the uh, fourth. He has redeemed us. Verse 7. In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace. We were born slaves to sin, trapped in sin. But the Father came up with a plan, implemented by the Son, empowered by the Spirit. He redeemed us. He forgave us. He set us free. I love the hymn, Jesus paid it all, all to Him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. Guys, that's our blessing. He redeemed us. He paid a price we could not pay. And thus we're set free. It says in 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19, For you were... For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your forefathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. It's not the riches of this world that made the difference, but the riches of God's Son poured out freely at Calvary that makes the difference that redeemed us, that, that paid the price, that uh, His blood was the greatest detergent of all that, that cleaned that grime of sin in us. Uh, fifth, fifth, He has forgiven us. Uh, notice in verse 7, in Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. Think about it. All sin, all you've done in the past, all you're doing now, all you will do is forgiven. Forgiven. God accepts you. He receives you fully. Um, when you talked about being free from slavery, being redeemed, it covered three areas. The paying of a ransom. Of course, that was paid at Calvary. Removal of the curse. The Bible talks about the curse of sin. That was removed through Jesus Christ. And the release from bondage. We don't have to be slaves to sin. Chuck Swindoll, one of my favorite preachers, I want to share with you something he wrote. He said, uh, My sister Lucy asked me on one occasion, What is the best feeling you know of in all of life? I said, Accomplishment. Sounds like a driven neurotic, doesn't it? <laughs> she said, That is a good feeling, but it's not my favorite. I like relief. And uh, Chuck went on to say, after thinking about it, he agreed it says, when I'm sick, I cherish relief from the fever. When I'm lost, I cherish being relieved from the sense of lostness, being able to find my way. When I'm lonely, 
the relief of finding a companion. When I'm without hope, the relief of a Savior. And that's forgiveness. Relief brought to us. Relief over our troubles that there is rest available in forgiveness. Uh, The great hymn, My sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part but the whole, is nailed to the cross and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, oh, my soul. It is well with my soul, it is well with my soul, it is well with my soul. Sixth, He lavished His grace on us. Verse 6 and end of verse 7 and 8, it says, uh, To the praise of His glorious grace, which He's freely given us in the one He loves, in accordance with the riches of God's grace, that He lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. It means He didn't just give us a drop of grace, He poured it freely upon us. Uh, you know, this not too far removed, all the college football bowls. And the common practice where they sneak up on the coach with a big old container of Gatorade and dump it all over the guy. He gets thoroughly soaked with the Gatorade. The picture, God has soaked us. Not a dry spot anywhere when it comes to God's grace and love. He has fully soaked us, guys, in His grace. Lavished us. Seventh, he made known to us the mystery of his will. Notice uh, verse 7. He made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure which he purposed in Christ. A mystery means it was once hidden, but now it's been revealed. What's been revealed? What's the mystery? The mystery is that God's love has broken down every barrier. Man was separated from God. Jesus has broken down that barrier. Man separated from man. Jesus has broken down that barrier. You see, it's not the differences that are to be magnified, but Jesus who unites us. The mystery is it's been made known now that we don't have to be separated from God or one another, but that Jesus has brought us together with God and one another. The mystery revealed. Remember when Jesus died on the cross and it said the veil was torn. Torn from top to bottom. (laughs) That relationship with God. The barrier taken away. Uh, What separated Jew and Gentile, a specific type of people from another type of people, was removed so that all people can come to forgiveness and find life in Jesus Christ. That's the hope, guys, that's fully given. That's the mystery that's revealed. Eighth, God has provided an eternal inheritance. Uh, It tells us in in verse 10, to put into effect when the times will have reached their fulfillment, to bring all things in heaven and on earth together under one head, even Christ. Jesus has brought all things together. Jesus has given us this blessing and, and it's ours in Christ. We have a God that's rich beyond our comprehension and He's decided to give it to us, bless us with His richness, His wealth. You know, I saw a documentary a couple of weeks ago on Bill Gates. And I don't know how rich Bill Gates was before he started giving his money away or how rich he even is now. But he made a statement how 
he was so driven and his wife helped open his eyes that you know that was not what life was about and so he made a decision he wanted to give away his wealth to help other people and he was talking about in the documentary how much happier he is as a result of that but there was one statement that I couldn't help but miss he said I'm giving away all of my fortune except to each of my kids I've decided I'm going to leave 10 million dollars well to Bill Gates 10 million dollars is nothing chump change but to us whoa you know just a token to him but a huge amount to us And our God, we don't even understand. We can't even comprehend how great God's blessings are that are stored for us, that await us, that are ours. And we we take, you know, we take just a little bit of change when when there's so much that's available. And and guys, he wants us to know that. All right, these last two here, I want to look at, deal with empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Uh, In verse 13, it talks about being sealed. It says, And you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Having believed, you were marked in Him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. When you received Jesus, when He came into your heart, Holy Spirit set up His home. And He is evidence that you are a child of God. You know, when you sin and you feel, man, you just feel terrible because you know it's wrong, the Holy Spirit. It's a silly, you're His kid. When you feel the joy of worship and you think, man, I can just go on up to glory, the Holy Spirit, He's working, guys. When He speaks to you and you say, how in the world did I say that? Well, you didn't. The Holy Spirit was speaking through you. The Holy Spirit at work in you. That's the that that's the power and that and that's that's the seal. It, it's a reminder that you belong to Him, that that you're His, and and guys that He's at work and and, and we're secure. John ten twenty eight and twenty nine in the King James says, "And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand." Man, if you're in God's hand through Jesus Christ, no one or nothing can take you out. You are secure. The Holy Spirit is a seal. Marks your life and the devil and and all the bad decisions and nothing else can yank you away. You know, sometimes we get the idea that we can do something that will rip us away from God's grace and that we can lose God's grace. But think about it. If you didn't do anything to deserve His grace, if you didn't do anything to deserve His salvation, and it says not by works so that no one can boast, what is it you've done or what is it you will do that is so horrible and so powerful then it can take you away from your heavenly Father. When you come in Christ, the Holy Spirit comes and you're secure. His hope. His hope. Uh, Last one, to be fully redeemed. Look at verse 14. Who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of His glory. 
a deposit. And we would, uh, example we could use today is a pledge, someone who gives an engagement ring. It is the hope of a marriage that is to come. It is the hope of a, a binding relationship that will soon be brought into reality as that ring is given. And the Holy Spirit is given to be that mark, that sign, that deposit. And it'll all be about Jesus when we're there. We're not going to go up there and compare ourselves to each other and talk about one another. We'll be looking at Jesus. We'll be worshiping Christ. We'll all look to the Lamb of God there. He's the sacrifice. Um, okay, going through these, just remind we need to we need to live we need to live in these blessings. It's not enough to know the blessings. My prayer is that we'll be known by those who walk in the blessings as His people. And I, I started the story mentioning about Robert E. Lee uh, in a biography called Call of Duty, uh, The Sterling Nobility of Robert E. Lee. The writers J. Stephen Wilkins and George Grant talk about Lee and, and his conversion. And He grew up in a Christian home and he loved his mom. He adored her and he had the greatest respect for her walk with Jesus Christ. But yet, he only watched God from a distance. He, he never came close. He was moral, but he never fully understood. And, but at 46 years of age, Robert E. Lee changed. What he had heard about became life to him. And I want to read to you uh, what, uh, what these authors said in their biography. To Lee, it was a vow never to be broken. There was no spectacular conversion experience for Lee. He had a rather increasingly strong attraction to the Savior whom he had known of from his youth. From the time of his confirmation, his faith became more overt and increasingly the dominant aspect of his life. He had heard about Christ all his life, but at 46 years of age, he trusted Christ. And his life was marked by a desire to be like Christ, as God got a hold of him. It, it was said that at his funeral, people who had served under Robert E. Lee came from all directions, all types of people. As you looked at all these men who came, uh, some were poor, some were wealthy. There were a lot of different things, uh, differences. But as they came, what united them was they had served under this man. And as they came, <laughs> you could hear them as they were singing that hymn that he used to love to sing. And it, 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 and that was what was marked. They had to wait as the men came in and they heard them singing these words, How Firm a Foundation. 
How firm a foundation, ye saints of the Lord, is laid for your faith in his excellent word. What more can you say than to you he hath said, you who unto Jesus for refuge have fled? In every condition, in sickness and health, in poverty's veil or abounding in wealth, at home and abroad, on the sea, on the land, as thy days may Demand, so thy succor shall be. Fear not, I am with thee. Or be not dismayed, for I am thy God and will still give thee aid. I'll strengthen thee, help thee, and cause thee to stand upheld by my righteous omnipotent hand. When through the deep waters I call thee to go, the rivers of sorrow shall not thee overflow. For I will be with thee, thy troubles to bless, and sanctify to thee my deepest distress. When through fiery trials thy pathway shall lie, my great all-sufficient shall be thy supply. The flames shall not hurt thee, I only design thy dross to consume and thy gold to refine. In down to old age all my people shall prove my sovereign, eternal, unchangeable love. And then, when gray hairs shall their temples adorn, like lambs they shall still in my bosom be born. The soul that on Jesus hath leaned for repose, I will not, I cannot, desert to his foes. That soul, though all hell should endeavor to shake, I'll never, no, never, no, never, forsake. Um, That's the kind of love Jesus Christ offers. That's the kind of blessing Jesus Christ gives. And I I would be amiss if I didn't ask you honestly and openly, are you part of His family? Have you turned your life to Him? Have you received what only He can give? Have you asked Him to enter your heart and to forgive you? And All these blessings I've listed, there's just not automatic blessings that you receive the moment you're born. You have to be born from above. You have to be born a second time. You have to, to come to grips with what God has done at the cross and what He offers to you. And You have to come honestly saying, I, I need you. I need you. And, and when you do that, this is what you receive. The resources and strength to be His servant, to make a difference, and ultimately to go to heaven. Do you have that? Do you want that? We have an altar that's open. I'll be at the front. Um, if God's spoken to you, I just ask where you come. Let's pray. Lord, uh, we are so blessed. Father, each of these, it would be easy to speak a message, Lord. Um, but Father, it's almost overwhelming, all ten of them together. And yet, it's just a taste. Help us, Lord, to live in what you have given us, Lord. That it may come out of our lives and that we are secure in you and living for you. God, just shake us up, Lord. Wake us up, Lord. Whatever you need to do, help us, Father, to live as we're meant to live and to understand who we are and whose we are. I pray this morning, Lord, if there be one here, Father, who has not said yes to your call, that this would be the time that one would come forward and say yes to your call, Lord. The altar's open for prayer, for decision, for response. God, all I want is for you to speak. So speak to our hearts and may we say yes to whatever that means. In your name we pray. Amen.